Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. We're continuing our series, Running with Horses. Last week, we talked about being discouraged. This week, we're talking about being unmotivated. Unmotivated. And I felt like it was kind of fitting for uh, daylight savings. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if there's a day that you're not motivated to go to church, it's like when church is an hour earlier than usual. <laughs> and when I, was, when I was preparing this message, when I was thinking about it, I'm just, I have this question in my heart, my mind, about what causes us to become unmotivated? What causes us to lose the motivation that we once had? And when I think about the things that we're generally motivated in, it's uh, our marriage, our careers, our faith, and I think I was like kind of like thinking back. Um, I was thinking back to all the different areas in my life when I was first starting out, and for me, every beginning stage, there's somebody that was trying to kill the motivation that I had. When it came to getting married, I was 19 years old at at the time, about to be 20, and I was dating this super fine 22 year old lady. Lauren, my wife now, and I was just like real motivated, real motivated, and I wanted some of that, and when I was about to get married, I had so many people try to discourage the motivation that I had. I had so many people tell me I was too young, you're not ready yet, Oh, you got your whole life ahead of you, don't waste it now on getting married, trust me. (laughs) And I had people that when I, would, when I was about to get married, I had more people trying to give me divorce advice than I had giving me married advice. And going into our marriage, I'm, I'm kind of like old school romantic. I liked, the first date that we had, I, got, I gave her flowers. Every time we, we go anywhere, I open the door for her. Now that we have kids, it's a little bit different because we're both holding one. <laughs> and so we're usually like we're, well, I get one, she gets the other. But whenever we go on our dates, whenever we go work out, whenever it's just me and her driving, I still open the door for her every time. It's been eight years. And, and at the beginning of our marriage, though, when I would just open the door for her, you know, I had, I had older married couples. I had a man yell at me one time said, uh, when I opened the door for my wife, I didn't even say anything. It was, I wasn't even trying to front. <laughs> it, was, it was like, mind your own business, right? And, and he just yelled out, yeah, well, wait after a couple years. You'll see if you'll be opening the door then. Because he didn't open the door for his wife, and so he's trying to make himself justified. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, what encouragement to a person that just got married coming from someone that's been married almost 15 years plus, Oh, well, just wait a little bit longer. You won't be opening the door anymore. You'll lose that. And when I think about marriage, when I think about careers I've had, I'm kind of like, when it comes to my jobs, I like to 
I when I first had like a real job at my dad's shop, it was a warehouse job, and I would load literally thousands of pounds of tires, oil, batteries of equipment into his truck, and then at the end of the day, unload it all. And it was just like it was just it's like a real like startup business where we were sell his traveling store was a truck, and I had to load everything in and unload everything. He started selling in storage units. So we just take everything out of the storage unit, load it on the truck, drive to different places and try to sell it. And thousands of pounds of equipment. And for me, I was like, I, I started timing myself on how, f if I could load it faster than last week. <laughs> and I was just like, I was trying to, I was really motivated to get the job done. But once I started working in like the real world workplace, right? And I started realizing how much uh, less work was needed for a job. <laughs> People ask when I work, say that I work for my dad, like, Oh, was it really easy? It's like, hell no. <laughs> he had no mercy. <laughs> it was harder than any other job I had. But I remember when I went to work on the air force base as a jet engine mechanic and I had to move some pallets of jet engine parts. And I, I had to go with the person that had been there for over 12 years and we we're going to go together. And I had just started. It was my first year it was his 12th year. And I started moving the cart, and I started, I walked fast, and I started going, and he's like, hey, man, whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on, we don't got to go that fast around here. You can slow down. It was almost like my motivation was offensive, like, hey, we don't need to finish the job that quick, we got till five. And from marriage to career, and then my faith. I, I don't know about you guys, but I lived like a bat out of hell when I was younger, and... <laughs> When I first gave my life to Christ, I, got, I was just so motivated. I was so passionate. I was on fire for what God had done in my life. I just like, saw how great His love was, and it changed my life really drastically. And then I started meeting, once I, and that was before I even started going to church. Then all of a sudden I realized, oh, I'm supposed to go to church. And then I started to meet other people that had been in the game a little bit longer than I have. <laughs> It's my first year as a Christian, then I meet somebody that's been a Christian for 10 years. And the most common thing I heard when I was just so excited is like, yeah, I was like that too once. Oh, I used to have that fire. Implying that they don't have that kind of motivation anymore. And I, I remember even as a young kid just being so confused, like, why would you tell me that? Why would you try to discourage my faith? saying that in time, it's going to just go away. And it, it really made me mad. You ever get mad to where it's like, for me, I'm kind of like naturally rebellious <laughs> to where when you say, oh, you don't ever want to do that, I'm like, watch me. <laughs> I'm going to do it twice as much now. <laughs> and I remember even at a young age, I, originally I wanted to join the military. And... Oh, either join the military or become a firefighter. That's really what I wanted as a career path. But then once I started having all these people tell me that that fire goes away in my faith and that, oh, you'll, you know, you'll even out over time. Mm -hmm. You'll become like the rest of us. We move a little bit slow around here. And once I start hearing that, I, I start to become kind of not scared, but intentional. I knew that I didn't want to live like that. And so I ended up saving, I saved and just, I saved all my money from working as a teenager. 
and I would go, I would go to school till one as in high, my senior year of high school, and then I would work from one to about ten thirty at night, sometimes later, and and uh and that was my that was kind of like my normal schedule for school, work school work school, and I saved all the money I had. I I didn't have a bank account, and I was kind of like I used to like mess around with like drugs and I think everyone that's done drugs has sold drugs at some point and so I did it really ghetto and I collected all my money I put a rubber band around it <laughs> every time I, had, I got to a hundred dollars I'd go trade it out for a hundred dollar bill and I had this just good stack of cash I kept in this uh, I hid in a candle holder to where you'd never know it was in there it's just hidden in plain sight and I just had this big wad of cash hidden in there and I saved about three thousand you know more or less in the course of like six months. And I had saved it all to go to this ministry internship that was supposed to be like this really hardcore internship. And I had no idea that I wanted to go into ministry, but I knew that I wanted to solidify my faith because I didn't want to become like all the other Christians I had met. Amen. And and I, I saved up all that money. I gave everything I had to just go to this 10-month internship it was really hardcore. There's probably some things I shouldn't have learned, but it was a good experience. And it, uh, from there, it really catapulted my faith into ministry and where I'm at now. And even still, though, I feel like motivation is that killer, it, it, is killed so slowly, and it's very, it's very unnoticeable. It's almost like just one day you realize you're not in love anymore. One day you realize that you're not motivated at all. One day you realize that you're burnt out, right? It just, it just happened one day and you have arrived at this place you don't want to be. It's this very slow death and you don't notice it until you're in it. I want to share a scripture of Pete, with Peter and John chapter 21, verse 1 through 3. And I just want to look at the beginning of the story because I feel like this is one little story to where you see Peter completely unmotivated and he doesn't know what to do. He's mixed of discouraged as well, but let's read the story. It says, Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples. I would be pissed if I was those, one of those two other disciples. Like, really? Like, you, got, you even got where people are from, but you just couldn't say my name? Like, um, and then it says, Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out on the boat, but they caught nothing all night. Now, in this part of the story, it's right after Jesus was crucified. And it was right after Peter had denied Jesus three times. And some time has elapsed. Some time has elapsed. Jesus already rose from the dead. Peter saw him. And, and Jesus said, you're going to do great. It's, uh, you, it's okay. I, I have a mission for y'all. And he showed that he was resurrected and all that. And so this part of the story, some time has elapsed from the 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 death and resurrection of Jesus, and it's before the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. And all that Jesus said was to wait until I send the Holy Spirit. 
And right here, Peter is in this spot where he has lost all motivation to what he was waiting for. All that he'd been working for. And he goes back to the same old things that he used to do. And what really stinks about going through the routines is that, just like it says here, they caught nothing all night. And I think that this right here is the epitome of losing motivation. Is getting stuck in our routines of mundane results and it causes us to lose sight of what we once hoped for. Getting stuck in our routines of mundane results will cause us to lose sight of what, uh, what we once hoped for. Going back to marriage. Marriage is something that starts off so passionate. There's a wedding. People spend thousands of dollars on their weddings. And to just have 10 years later, sometimes not even that, right? Just have several years later to where you want to get out. You want to go back to the way things used to be. And is it because y'all are fighting so much? It, it's because sometimes y'all are just so out of love that you don't feel the spark that you once had. How many movies have you seen? How many people have you heard say, well, we just fell out of love? It's because they, we imagine love to be that spark, that motivation, that feeling that we have. And when you fall out of love, what you're really saying is that I'm no longer motivated in this marriage. I'm no longer motivated with this person, towards this person. We're not even having sex anymore. We're not, I mean, that's like a clear sign, right? That you're not motivated. If you're not having sex with your spouse. It, it's like so, all the single people are giggling. Like, like, but it, it's so true. When I hear some people, uh, when we've done marriage counseling in the past, and I've heard people tell me that they haven't had sex in months, I'm like, good Lord. <laughs> what is this all for then? <laughs> but seriously, it, it shows such a lack of motivation within a marriage. I feel like the frequency of sex is the clearest indicator within a marriage of how motivated people are towards each other. Because when you're all young and dumb, it's kind of like, like BC, before children. You could, it doesn't matter when. You could do it anywhere, anytime. It's like it, you explore. But once you have kids, you're like, oh, shoot, I'm kind of tired. <laughs> There's a lot of work taking care of this kid. They're always waking up right in between. <laughs> and you, all of a sudden, it starts becoming harder and harder. I guess I should say more and more difficult, right? <laughs> more and more difficult to be motivated to do something that you guys used to be crazy about. But was it just that or was it going on dates too? Because maybe y'all have a date night every, every month or every other week. But all of a sudden you have kids, it's like, wow, you know, we're, we're trying to cut back. You know, we have to buy groceries now. And, you know, we, it's just harder. I just want to go to sleep early. And 
all of a sudden just going on dates, you, you see how it's like a slow death. <laughs> I'm like really not preaching for kids, people to have children, right? Uh, but even without kids, this happens to where you just have a work life and all of a sudden you're working later and later. And before, you're, when you're younger, you had the energy to, like you, when, you notice when you're younger, you can, have a, you can stay up all night and still get up the next morning and be fine. And it's like there's like a threshold after what, like 25 or what do y'all think? Or oh, Most of y'all are younger than that, so just be ready. But it's like there's a threshold to where all of a sudden you're more tired than you used to be. And what I'm getting at is that it's like this slow death over time to where all of your routines start to normalize these mundane results that are not exciting these unexciting results. Y'all feel what I'm saying? And when it comes to, we, I'm using marriage a lot as an analogy, but let's look at our faith. How many empty prayers do you make before you get unmotivated? How many prayers that you don't see results in do you make before you lose motivation? Y'all feel me? And how many church messages do you listen to before you, you realize that there's something in your life that's not changing? How many times do you keep going to church before you realize that, that you're not noticed, that you feel like everything that you thought isn't really true? Everyone's thought that before. You start thinking, what's the point of me even going? That's losing the motivation you once had because you don't see the results that you once saw. For Peter in this story, he was with Jesus every day of his life, seeing miracles, seeing all this power of God in front of him every day, being in God's presence on a daily basis without even having to try to all of a sudden Jesus saying, leaving and saying, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. I'll be back in a little while. And all of a sudden, he's not seeing any miracles. He's not seeing any answered prayers. He doesn't feel God's presence like he used to feel. And he, even when he goes fishing, it seems like nothing's happening. I mean, talk about being unmotivated, right? And I feel like that's where a lot of people get in their faith. To where, even though at the beginning, when you first gave your life to Christ, you noticed you could just turn on the radio and it seems like God was talking to you. Like, oh my gosh, like, I, this was the song I needed to hear. You're driving down the road, all of a sudden you notice a billboard, or like you notice all the telephone poles look like crosses. You're like, oh my gosh, God's speaking to me. And it feels like everything is just like God talking to you. And after some time, you're like, God, how come you're not talking to me? You turn on the radio and it's, it's a share <laughs> And you're like, well, that, I'm, I need to hear from God. I, I, I need to hear something. And just like Peter, you don't feel like you're in God's presence as easily as you once were. Y'all feel that? You know, when... When it comes to unmotivation, when we no longer have to do what we used to do, it will leave us in a place of 
prideful complacency. And when we think of pride, don't we usually think of some jerk? I, I automatically think of people on the road. I, I've been really working, ever since the 21 day fast, y'all, I've been working on my road rage. And I feel like ever since we did the 21 day fast, I hardly call anybody on the road an idiot out loud. I've been really good, y'all. But the other day I did slip up and I didn't necessarily say idiot per se, but I described them in a way that wasn't pleasant or life-giving. And that's what we usually think of pride, right? But pride can be very subtle. Pride could be so subtle to where it's as simple as, well, I don't really need to go to church today. I'm, I'm pretty good on my faith. See, that's like a very subtle pride. And we don't realize that those prideful moments that are subtle lead us into this place of incredible unmotivation. It leaves us in a place to where we start becoming so complacent that we're not putting coals on the fire like we used to. In our faith and indefinitely in our relationships and our marriages and our careers. I mean, don't you remember your first day at work? You're 15 minutes early. You're like paying attention to every detail when the, boss, when the manager or the boss complains about another worker. You're like, I can't believe they would do that. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, well, you know, work ethic is important and you're, you're all about it. And then after working there, just maybe two years, not even, just a couple months. <laughs> you're like, I got this work thing down. You're starting to show up a little 15 minutes late now. Because you got this. You've been working there for a minute. They need you. And all of a sudden, you're in this prideful complacency to where you think you're so much farther ahead, even though you're doing so much less than you were at the beginning. I think all of us can look at our jobs and realize that we are doing less than our first week there, than what we're doing now. When it comes to our passion, our motivation, our work ethic, We're a lot more willing to let things slide. You know, I worked at a bank for just a little while. I told this to our daughter Tamara the other day, and she's like, where where have you not worked? I was like, (laughs) I mean, NASA did ask me. (laughs) But when I worked at the bank, they said that new, uh, new clerks often find fraudulent checks and fraudulent dollar bills like 80% more than senior people who've been there longer. Mm. The people that have been handling money and checks the longest don't notice things like those who just started because they've grown into this complacency and pride to where I don't need to check every check. I don't need to check every dollar bill. I got this. I've been doing this long enough. And they don't even realize all the mistakes that they're letting go by. And someone that just starts... Is finding checks like, hey, this isn't right. This is fraudulent. This they, they didn't sign. This is a wrong signature, and they just started. Y'all see how powerful a little motivation can be that you can excel even people that have experience. And when it comes to us, I need us all to realize we've all been in a level of complacency and pride, and that has been attributing to the lack of motivation within us. 
when I when it comes to even my job with working with young people, one thing that that has been the motivating factor for the people that have hired me is because of the intention and tenacity of starting right now. Because it's the people that have been in positions before me turned into people just checking off a box. And when you're working with young people, you don't want them to be just a box checked off. Because nothing happens like that. There's no change. And when it comes to even our our systems and our and our that govern our children, when it comes to like CPS, you you know that they they have so many cases, thousands of cases that they never even check up on. It, that even with just this organization, Youth for Christ, that we're meeting in the building of, that we're all mandatory reporters here, and that there's so many reports that are made that are serious, and most of them are never even checked up on. Because so many workers look at the case like, oh, well, I've seen this before, it's not that bad. I've seen this before, it's not that bad. And that's why so many kids never get, they never get help that they need, because there's this complacency and lack of motivation within so many systems in our culture. Things that we used to have to do, we feel like we no longer need to do. I used to date my wife, but now that we're married, I kind of got what I needed. And so I don't have to... My wife walked in like, what was that? <laughs> but... So many marriages, once they're married, it's like, well, I don't really, we don't really have to go on a date all the time now. When you're dating, it's like you want to see each other every day of the week. But when you're married, it's like, well, we only need to go on a date like once a month, maybe. And even that, for some people, is like, well, that's a lot. Think about if just going once a month, that's only going on a date with your spouse 12 times out of the 365 days of the year. That's not even 10%. And most people don't even go on that many dates. Just one day to have a meaningful night with a person that you made a covenant with to spend the rest of your life with. Y'all get what I'm saying? Went from dating every day to not even 12 times a year. And we wonder why we're in this place of unmotivation. Now relate it to church. I mean, y'all, this is, it's a dangerous place to be in a complacent, complacent in our faith. Because the, everything that God describes our faith to be is a passionate relationship with Him. And when we make it about checking off a box, nothing is really happening. And it's like what Dari had brought up the, last week. He brought up the, the scripture saying, when Jesus looks at people and says, get away from me, I never knew you. I don't know you. I don't know who you are. Well, why would Jesus say that when, when like he obviously knows us? Like, and it really comes into this place to where we go from a meaningful relationship with God, with Christ, to this checkbox to where we don't even know who God is anymore. Y'all know what I'm saying? And 
Sometimes we slip into this place that is so distant from God to where we don't even know what He's saying anymore. Those moments where you feel like you don't know how God really feels about you, we all get those moments, right? When you get that moment, that's a good indicator that you have lost a, a sector of motivation in your heart to Christ. Because if you're motivated to know Him, you would know how amazing His thoughts are of you. How great and how good His thoughts are of you. You would know how much you are loved, how much you are forgiven, and how you're holding on to the things you want forgiveness for more than He is. You would, you would feel it, you would know it, it would be so real. And you'd find that passion that you had once before. But it's in that prideful complacency to where we feel, I know God. I, I think I've maxed out my level of God. <laughs> if you were to rate your relationship with God from a scale of 1 to 10, what do you think it would be? And when we think about that, if you got a low number, that's a great, <laughs> that's a great indicator because... God is so infinitely knowable. I feel like a lower number, sometimes it is a good indicator of the softness of our hearts. But when we say in our heads, probably a seven, maybe seven out of a hundred. <laughs> but even as a pastor, y'all, I, I, when I, the times I think I'm, I'm like fine. It's like, oh, I, I don't really need to spend that much more time in prayer. I don't really need to, read the word of God. I, I think I'm good. It's those moments that I realized later I was so much farther than I realized. The times where I thought I was fine. The times I thought I was good. And I just, what I'm really trying to get at in this message is to don't let that complacency lie to you and thinking you, and, and because one day you're just going to be in this completely unmotivated spot to where you don't want to go to church, you don't want to pray, you don't want to read your Bible, and you're like, I'm right there right now. It, it's in this place to where not only do you feel like you don't, uh, you, you don't want to do that anymore, the worst thing to feel is that you don't have to do that anymore. Y'all feel that? Let me finish the scripture we started with. It says in John chapter 21, verse 4 through 8, At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. This is right after they caught nothing all night. And Jesus called out, Fellows! And in the Greek, this word actually means children. Children, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, Throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. I feel like Jesus sounds like Mr. T right there, but whatever. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. The other stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about a hundred yards from the shore. 
Now, I feel like in this place we see Peter get his motivation back. A hundred yards. I mean, who can sprint a hundred yards no problem? That's running, you know, I could probably, I'll give it a good jog. But swimming, have you ever, when you were younger, maybe even recently, you're at a lake or something, you're at a creek, and you're like, when you're a kid, you're like, hey, let's swim to that rock over there. And y'all start going, and like, it didn't seem that far, because it was like, oh, that's only like 100 yards away. This is my swimming, by the way, that's how I swim. And halfway, you start getting kind of nervous, you're like, holy crap, <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to make it. And like, your, your friends are like going on ahead, because they know how to swim right, and you're just like, and you're like really going at it, and you're like, yeah, I'll, I'll catch up. And you like flip over on your back, and you're trying to like, kind of like just, <laughs> ah, ah, ah. and you're just trying not to let the water go in your nose and mouth. And you realize how much farther it was, because you're like, and you're like drowning, and you're just like, man, I, I don't know if I'm gonna make it. And then when you get, if you get there, everyone's like, are right, you ready to go back? He's like, no, I kind of want to hang out here for a minute. Like, let's chill. And, and you're just like, on the inside, you're like, I don't know if I'm going to make it back. And the only reason you even made it there is because you had the motivation to not drown. Like, that was the only thing pushing you. If you, were, if you were shallow water, you would have just stood up like, what the hell am I doing? I'll just walk. I'm not going to swim all that way. What was I thinking? But yeah, the motivation, I'm going to drown if I don't make it. Like, and for Peter, he gets in and swims 100 yards after being up all night fishing. Now, throwing out nets, like that seems like not a big deal, right? Throwing out a net, bringing it back in, going through all the water. You know, water's heavy when you're pulling something in. I mean, you know that it's like throwing a ball. Like, if it's like you don't throw a ball for a while, and all of a sudden this kid's like, hey, you want to throw a football? And you're doing it, and the next day you're like, dang, I didn't even realize I was sore. You just be throwing a Frisbee, and you're like, ah, man. <laughs> doing that for that 30 minutes really got to me. All night, throwing that net out. In the morning, bright and early, they haven't even eaten yet. This dude swims 100 yards. I mean, he was motivated on a whim. It, it, that makes a lot more sense why all the other disciples stayed in the boat. <laughs> like, hell no, I gotta swim all the way out there. Go ahead, Peter, we'll pick you up halfway. <laughs> He's not gonna make it. And notice that the last time we see Peter in the water was when Jesus called him out to walk on the water. And before he ever, before he even was willing to say, Jesus, is that you? This time, it was just John saying, yeah, that's Jesus, I think. Jesus didn't even have to tell him who he was. It was just the thought, if it could be Jesus. And he doesn't even ask Jesus to help him to get to him. Before, it's like, Jesus, help me to walk on the water so I can get to you. This, he just jumps in, waves and all, and starts swimming as fast as he can to Jesus. He found all this motivation, all this motivation on a hunch that it might be what he once hoped for. You know why? Is because 
in a place that he was completely stuck, just like a lot of us when it comes to being unmotivated. He was confused. He was tired. And he felt like he was getting nowhere. And all of a sudden, he found his why again. He found his why. Why did he follow Jesus in the first place? Why was he waiting all this time? Why was he doing all that stuff anyway? In that moment, it's just like it seemed like it was all back. And you know how he found that why? Because he learned to hate the pain of that complacency. He hated that complacency enough more than the pain of swimming 100 yards, more than doing the things that he used to do again. Guys, sometimes the basics, it's almost like the basics, common sense, that kind of stuff, it's almost like those basics is what nourishes us the best. When you think about health, did you know that when it comes to getting healthy and all that, that it's 80% diet and 20% working out? 20% exercise, 80% diet. That means we can be completely healthy just by eating. That's basic. That's what we already do. That's something that we learned when we were kids. Eat your vegetables, right? Like, that's, that's stuff that was basic. And, but when it's like we don't want to do those basic stuff. When it comes to like finding God, like, well, how do I find God? Well, what, what, maybe we should start by reading, praying, reading the Bible, going to church. It's like, I already did all that stuff before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and look, you had a great relationship with God then. Yep. And ever since you stopped, ever since you thought that you had it all together and you didn't need to do that stuff anymore, that's when you lost everything. Y'all feel that? Mm-hmm. Marriage. What, what was it like when y'all were dating, when y'all were all in love with each other? Y'all couldn't stop each other from, from holding hands. Now it's like, oh, like your hands are sweaty. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It it goes back to like the basics. You know, there's times where we have a crazy day, me and my wife, with the kids, and we have to go do this, we have to go do that. And at the end of the day, I'll realize, girl, I haven't even kissed you today. And I'll grab her and she's like, oh yeah. I'm like, nah. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> Kiss you right now. We're not gonna let this day in. And see. It's like a basic little thing like that that can keep a spark going. It's basics. It's the basics. It's these basics. Because when you realize that these basics keep you out of this complacent place of unmotivation, it really helps you to find that why. Why did you do those basics at the beginning? Because I wanted to get married. Why would you do those basics at the beginning? Because I wanted to know who God was. Why would you do those basics at the beginning? Well, because I wanted to be healthy. Why don't you do them now? Because I got it all together. (laughs) And yet you lost everything. We got to hate this pain. Guys, being unmotivated is the most painful experience. Because it is so boring. And you get no results. And the little that you are trying to work towards doesn't work. You notice that? The little bit that you do try, it doesn't do anything. It's like paying the minimum payment on a credit card. 
It only pays off the interest. It doesn't really pay down the principal. That's what doing this unmotivated work really does. It doesn't get you anywhere. And you just end up in this old stuck routine that's boring, crusty, and it just is a drain on your life. I used to not even consider being unmotivated a form of burnout. Because when I think of burnout, you're doing so much that you drained yourself. That's what we're going to talk about next week. Or when I, uh, the week after that. But being unmotivated is this place of complacency to where you're doing so much less than you used to do and somehow you still feel burnt out. Y'all feel that? And what Peter saw was the resurrection of Christ. He saw this this why right in front of him. And when he found what he, the why, why he started in the first place, he himself resurrected that day. He found himself again. And in a moment, he, he just jumped in when he realized, when he saw. And I want to encourage you guys today, whatever it is that you are unmotivated in, your marriage, your family, maybe it's with your family, with your parents, your, your brothers, your sisters, your job, your school, your faith, church. What I really want to challenge you guys to do is do not try to walk back into your marriage. Don't try to walk back into your faith. Don't try to walk back into a place of passion. You have to do what Peter did and you have to jump in and swim with everything that you got. You have to swim with passion as if your life depended on it to where there is no turning back to go back to the boat. That you are just swimming and if you stop swimming, you're going to die. That's the way you feel inside. If my marriage doesn't work, I'm going to die. Like this is, that's just it. If this faith thing doesn't work, then I got nothing else to live for. Because I already tried drugs. It didn't work. I, this is all I got now. You gotta swim like your life depends on it. And you gotta run after this thing that you've lost your passion for. Y'all feel me? And you gotta feel it for yourself. And if you're if you're in this place where you're like, well, I, should, I probably should, yeah. You you need to see that pain of what it really is. You need to feel that pain because you've been slowly dying. You need to feel it. And you need, to, you need to get to this place where you hate the spot that you're in. I am not satisfied in being a boring Christian life that is unmotivated with empty prayers that are cold. I'm not satisfied like that. It is boring and it is a drain on my life. But when I'm in a passionate, real relationship with God to where when I pray, I believe it's going to happen... Man, I feel fired up, and every day is a new day, and it's, it feels good. Amen. I feel excited. I feel like I'm alive. I don't want to be some old person looking at a young person saying, Oh, I was like you once, but then I died. I died a little bit inside, just a little bit at a time. And after I divorced her, 
I think I divorced God too. But it was subtle. We still talk. Y'all get what I'm saying? So I want us to all close our eyes and bow our heads for a moment. And I just want to make this real simple. If you're here and you are ready to jump back in the water, whatever it is, I want you to just raise your hand. Amen. So right now I'm going to pray for you and I want you to have a conversation with God. And I want you to be really authentic in your prayer. I want you to be real and tell God what you're really wanting to do. Tell him what you hate about where you've been. Because as you tell God, you're also telling yourself. And God, I ask that you bring a motivation back to each of us. And the places that are dead, show us how dead they really are, God. And don't let us wait to go to a place of frostbite to where we have to amputate these things that were once alive. But resurrect and revive these places that have been cold and make them passionate again. Make them on fire again. And give us the motivation to jump in this water. To jump in, Jesus. I pray your presence over every single person. And I pray that it's not just a calming presence, but a very passionate presence to where they can feel their skin almost tingle because you are, are speaking to them, that the God of the universe is moving in them. And I pray an anointing over every single one of us that we would not be satisfied with complacency, that we would not be tricked into the lie that we got it all together, but that we would work our butts off to find this passionate place again, even if it means just doing the basics once again. Bring us back, Lord. We repent right now. We, we really repent from this place that we're at, and we want to turn to you. Motivate us and help us to really solidify this why into our heart once again. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.